The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Greetings. Welcome to our service online. We are so glad that you have joined us in this season where we are apart, but that we get to be together in this way. I know that these days and weeks are calling us to new levels of wisdom and discernment as we make decisions on where we go, what we do, and with whom. And so Ecclesia, please join me in this invocation prayer. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we thank you for welcoming us into your presence, that we get to sit at your feet and be consoled, we get to be sung over, we get to be delighted in. And God, in these times, we ask for wisdom and discernment as we have to make decisions on so many different things. God, use this service today to provide some guidance for these decisions that we're making. Help us to be aware of the invitations that you have for each of us through our liturgy, through our music, through the sermon. In the name of the Holy Trinity, amen.
restore every heart that is broken.
Ecclesia, even in this challenging season, we continue to be committed to the work God calls us, sharing the gospel, caring for the vulnerable in our city and beyond, caring well especially for our children. As we each consider our part in that offering, please speak this prayer along with me. Almighty God, we long to love you and one another as you love us. Fill us with continued worship and gratitude to sustain us in uncertain times. Help our thoughts to be holy and our hearts to remain generous as you free us from all anxiety and fear of scarcity. We seek each day to place our renewed trust in you, reminded that even in the seeming desert, your banquet table is set for feasting. Through this humble offering of our family and in all things, may you be glorified, amen. Hey Ecclesia, it's Wayne Brown, one of the campus pastors here. So good to be with you this morning. And I wanted to take a few moments to pause and continue to give you some updates on some of the work that we get to be a part of collectively, both in the city of Houston, as well as abroad. Here in Houston, we're continuing to find ways to provide meals for people. Uh, and we're using the kitchen here at 1100 Elder uh, that we used for Paperco. We're able currently to provide about 500 meals a week for people in need, our brothers and sisters who desperately need food. And they love that we are so consistent and so faithful to be able to be there for them day in and day out. And then we're also finding ways to deliver goodies, pastries and souffles to some of the frontline workers, uh, doctors and nurses, people in the emergency room, postal workers, to just, again, tell them we're, we love you, we're gonna make it through together. So we're so grateful and honored that we've got great people who make amazing food and allow us to show up and uh, bless people that didn't know we were coming. And additionally, we're also supporting partners uh, internationally. We continue to support the work that our brothers and sisters are doing in Cucuta, Colombia, right on the Venezuela border. And they are consistently able to provide a thousand meals a day to people in need. That is astronomical. We're so proud of that. And then we're continuing to partner with our brothers and sisters in Argentina and Buenos Aires, uh, the people of La Misión. And they're able to provide about 400 meals a month for needy people in their community as well. And Ecclesia, it's because we come together and we pool our resources that we're able to do these things both in our city and abroad. So we just wanna say thank you for continuing to give and to remind you that uh, we get to do things together that we could never do alone. So if you wanna to continue to be a part of that, uh, you can simply send a text message to do that. All you have to do is text the donation amount to the number 84321 and you can be a part of what we're doing both here in the city and abroad. So thank you for being a part of that. Next, I wanna take a moment and tell you about this week's We're Gonna Make It Through Award winner. And this week, it's none other than Kathy Carberry. Uh, she was actually nominated by her daughter. And what I'd like to do is just take a moment and share this beautiful email from her daughter, Bridget. And Bridget says, I nominate my mom, Kathy Carberry, for the We're Gonna Make It Through Award. She has been teaching and writing and doing other work. She is currently writing a book about outcomes measurements. 
It takes up a lot of her time and she even is working on it today, Mother's Day. Even with all the work, she still finds time to help me with my homework, cook dinner, homeschool us, and still do her work. I feel that she should win because of her strong and confident spirit and still stay calm and not show her stress. She is amazing and the best mom ever. Bridget. Bridget, we wanted to let you know we got your email and we agree. We think your mom is amazing. And so that's why she's the winner. If you want to reach out to Kathy and send something just to let her know uh, that you appreciate her and love her, uh, you can email lauren at ecclesiahouston.org. You can also email lauren at ecclesiahouston.org if you want to nominate someone for the award. And we just wanted to take a moment as summer's here and just say, hey, to all the parents who leaned in similar to the way that Kathy did to, to teach, to help with homework, in addition to all the other stuff you're doing, you did it. We made it through, you're amazing. We hope that you find this summer to be a really restful season, um, but it's good to be together. And again, congratulations, Kathy. And finally, Ecclesia, I wanna let you know about some events that are coming up very soon that will allow us to participate together in some really beautiful and meaningful things. First is we're gonna do our next outdoor even song and we're gonna do this the night before Father's Day. So that's actually this Saturday coming up. We're gonna be gathering together outdoor uh, underneath the overpass at 1100 Elder from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. We've got three different gatherings we're gonna be doing and you can sign up for slots there. We're gonna be doing this because we feel like we can celebrate dads in person better than we can do that remotely. So we've got some generous donors at Carbach who have graciously donated some beer. We've got some generous donors at St. Arnold's that have generously donated some root beer. And our own Asher Castillo is gonna be firing up the barbecue trailer to make sure that there's some ribs for dad. Uh, you're gonna love that. Just, just go ahead and mark that on your calendar. And then we're also looking at maybe giving out some koozies as well, but we'll take some time to, to pray some prayers together, to sing some songs together, to share communion together. We'll have some packets available, or if you want to bring your own communion elements with you to Evensong this Saturday, that'd be a great thing. Uh, but you can sign up both to let us know whether you're planning to pick up a gift for dad and also to let us know which of those gatherings you're planning to attend so that we can make sure to create a hospitable environment for you. Uh, we're so excited. This went so well when we did this on Mother's Day and it was just a beautiful experience out on the lawn and we're excited we get to do it again. Next, I wanna tell you about Kids Camp. We love kids here at Ecclesia and we are so excited about a chance to do something we've never done before and that's to do Kids Camp digitally and remotely because we feel like that's the safest way for us to do this this year. And our kids team has done an amazing job of putting together a fantastic week of events and programming that they get to participate in. Uh, what we need most is there's actually space for some volunteers, people who would be willing to lead and facilitate some small groups via Zoom. And that week of Kids Camp is gonna be June 29th through July 3rd. So if you'd like more information on how you can volunteer and be a part of this amazing week or how you can sign up for Evensong, you can go to ecclesiahouston.org slash events. And we'd love to be able to get together in those ways with you soon. So Ecclesia, as summer begins, uh, it's a time where we get to hit pause, we get to rest, we get to reflect. And I'm so excited that you're 
you're going to get to hear from Pastor Chris as he helps usher us into a season where we get to rest and reflect well in this season. Ecclesia, this is Pastor Chris, and you can see the Galveston Bay behind me. Summer is officially here, and I'm thrilled to preach for you on the water. This is where all of us want to be right now. After being in our houses for way too long, everybody wants to smell the salt air. We want to feel like summertime has actually kicked in and began. My youngest graduated eighth grade despite the fact that he had the worst homeschool teacher on the planet, and uh, online school wasn't great for him. But we made it through, and it feels like Summertime, as it always should be, ought to be epic, and yet 2020 has not been exactly what we expected. And yet, I've always said, and I believe, summer is a chance to reset. It's, uh, it's what in the Bible we talk about as a selah. You, you hear it in the Psalms. More than 70 times this word pops up. Nobody knows exactly what it means, but we think it means pause, rest, breathe. Summer's a chance to breathe. We catch our breath. Ironically, as the world's being turned upside down by the reality and the brutality that we've seen where our brother George Floyd was not able to breathe. And even more reason for us to take a deep breath and re-examine the world that we live in. I, I also believe summer is a chance for transformation. Maybe you were one of these people who sometime around grade school, you, uh, over the summer, you reinvented yourself. You, uh, maybe you started working out and you lost weight. Maybe you started reading books and you got really smart. Or maybe just physically you transformed. One of my friends, right? He went, he went from like 5'2 to 5'9 like over a summer, right? And all of a sudden girls were paying attention to him and he was big and strong. It just was unbelievable, the transformation. And summer is a chance for us to transform ourselves. And the world right now is in need of transformation. Years ago, I was going to see my buddy Gideon, who I'll be with this week. I was preaching for his church, Fox Vanay, in Austin. We did a retreat. And uh, Gideon, as uh, only a friend can, right? He had me preaching on a Saturday night till like 11 p.m., right? And I'm like, Gideon, I gotta get back to Houston. I gotta preach in the morning. So I'm driving late into the night. And uh, I'm a Houston boy. They're in the hill country. I'm not used to driving on those actual curves in the road, right? They actually go up and down, these things we call hills. Our roads are flat. And I was going pretty fast and, uh, and I get to the peak of a hill and I see about 12 deer all in the road. I slammed on my brakes and only because of the superior Korean engineering of that Kia did I stop just in front of the deer, right? And I had this moment like the headlights are in the eyes of these deer, right? They're looking at me and I'm looking at them and we're both like one of us doesn't belong here, right? Somebody's got to leave, somebody's got to move. Eventually they moved, right? And I, I believe that summertime is a chance for that kind of pause. We look at our lives and we go, is this the way I want to live? Is this what I believe? Is this what I value? Is this how I want to spend my time, my money, my energy? What, is this life what I wanted it to be? Walter Brueggemann talks about it as a prophetic moment, right? The prophets step in and he says, they simultaneously paint a picture of the world as it is and the world as it should be. Great artists do this. They, they force us to look at our life and we see it and we say, this is what it should be. These George Floyd moments have been moments that we say, this is not the world we should be living in. We should be living in a different world. And so selahs that are found in the Psalms are these moments to pause. We pause, we breathe, we look, we re-examine. I want to challenge you, Ecclesia, for this summer to be a selah summer. One of my favorite stories in all of scripture is in Genesis. In Genesis, we have this promise given to Abraham. 
He was first Abram. Then he's called out by God. God promises him he's going to give him kids, right? His wife, Sarah, believes it, but doesn't believe it. Ultimately, she says, Abraham, take my servant. She's my maid servant, Hagar. Sleep with her, have a baby with her, and then we'll know that we'll have a baby, right? We'll raise the baby. God says, that's not really the way I wanted it. Hagar is mistreated by Sarah. She runs away, and there's an angel that comes and greets her. She's at a spring. Uh, she's run into the desert. And this angel comes, and first he says to her, Hagar, right? Calls her by name. Hagar had already named God. You're the God that sees me when God had spoken to her. And this angel says, Hagar, I see you. And then asks this question. The angel says, Hagar, where have you come from? And where are you going? I think they're two of the most profound questions in scripture. Ecclesia, I got to ask you, what's your story? Where have you come from? Many of us are forced to pause in this season to look at our own lives, to look at the places that we've contributed to the problems in this world. And for most of us, we have learned, I've told a story through the years about uh, my pappy, my dad's grandfather, he's the one that raised him. He was a one-armed truck driver. I don't know if you've ever met a one-armed truck driver, but he's an exceptional man. I remember being a kid just sitting in his lap and he had this stub and he let me play with it. It was just a normal thing at our place. I thought everybody's pappy had one arm, right? And, and eventually you figure out, I'm about four when I ask, like, pappy, what happened to your arm? Right? And he said, uh, nothing. And I realized this was a family secret. It wasn't until years later that we learned that my pappy was in a bar fight because a man mistreated a woman and he beat this guy up. This guy comes back and shoots my pappy's arm off. Pappy throws this guy against the wall and it kills him. And from that day forward, he never spoke of the incident. Now, it was just a fascinating story, but it took me a while to realize that the way that my pappy had closed up, that he quit talking about things that were difficult or important, had shaped my dad and that my dad had shaped me. And the story that happened at a bar in Houston in the early 1900s was actually my story. Are you tracking with me? Like the thing that happened three generations ago shaped who I am today. And what we often forget is that our stories go beyond us. Where we've come from truly shapes who we are today. I think the angel was asking, Hagar, where have you come from? Who are your people? And what we often forget is that the people that we've come from, the story that we carry into the world, is a story that's filled with pain and sorrow and injustice. I, I've asked you before, how, how far, how long do you think a sin of injustice endures. Have you ever thought about it? In my family, in my greatest summer, I'm curious as we get into the summer, what's your best summer you've ever had? And I'm, by the way, I'm hoping, despite all that's happening in the world, that this will be your best summer. That this summer will be a summer of radical transformation in our hearts and in our lives and in the world, the way that we restructure things. So I wonder, how long does an injustice endure? In my best summer ever. It was the summer after my freshman year at Baylor. I, I got to go live at my grandfather's house in the country. He was retiring after being a pastor in the same church for 30 years. He's retiring and he wants to move to the country. Little did he know it was going to be really boring in the country. But my job over the summer was to help find contractors to fix the house up. I, um, it wasn't really my job. It was my responsibility as a grandson. My job was to run a pool and I was uh, a pastor at a little rural church. It was a great time. I read like crazy. I sat under the stars at night. I loved being in the country. 
And in the midst of all that, we had one contractor who actually came from his church. He was a longtime deacon in the church. My grandfather trusted him. He asked my grandfather to write a check for the whole renovation up front. He said, I need you to pay for it up front so I can get the supplies and pay the guys. It's way out in the country. I got to buy them all at once. And my grandfather believed him. He trusted him. He wrote him a check that was the largest part of his retirement. He didn't have much. And you know what happened? You might be able to tell the story already. This guy stole my grandfather's money. He tore up the house. He didn't do the work. My grandfather never sued him. He said, Christians don't sue Christians. And I'm like, well, Christians don't steal from their pastor, right? <laughs> like, who is this guy? And what happened was that uh, my grandfather began his retirement in a really difficult financial situation. Ultimately, a number of us in the family spent many years financially supporting them. And I've wondered as I try to put my girls through college, right? The years that I was sending money to my grandparents, what, what would that money have become if I would have invested in the college fund for my girls, right? You can likely track on this injustice, one theft from my grandfather has affected multiple generations. It's harder for me to put my kids through school. Three generations it's tracked down. So if that injustice lasts three generations, what happens with an injustice that's much more significant? A woman just down the road in Beaumont, a black woman that was lynched in front of her twin kids. Like how long does that injustice endure? How long does the injustice of George Floyd and others endure? Surely it's one, two, three, four, six, eight, 10 generations. And so Ecclesia, the story that we carry in is a story of power and for many of us of privilege. And it's a story of injustice. We benefit or we suffer from historic injustices. And it's why this word Selah is so important to me. And that in Psalm 32, one of the places it's used most often, it's such a powerful Psalm. You have to stop and listen. The psalmist says this, and I hope you can hear it because um, I, I believe the Psalms, there's a Psalm for every season. There's a Psalm for every emotion. And for me in this season, Psalm 32 is the prayer that I need to pray. The psalmist says this, he says, how happy is the one whose wrongs are forgiven, whose sin is hidden from sight. How happy is the person whose sin the eternal will not take into account. How happy are those who no longer lie to themselves or others. I got to tell you, Ecclesia, the only thing I can do in a season like this is examine my own heart and examine the racism in my heart, examine the way that I carry the privilege that I've been handed because I've been handed a tremendous amount of privilege. The psalmist goes on and says, when I refused to admit my wrongs, I was miserable. I gotta tell you, Ecclesia, there are many times that I have failed my brothers and sisters of color. There are times that I've tolerated comments, I've just kept moving, right? Comments I shouldn't have tolerated. There are many times that I have enjoyed the ease of my life and forgotten to help care for a brother or sister in need. The psalmist says, moaning and complaining all day long so that even my bones felt brittle. Day and night, your hand kept pressing on me. My strength dried up like water in the summer heat. You wore me down. And then again, it's Selah. He says, when I finally saw my own lies, I owned up to my sins before you. And I did not try to hide my evil deeds from you. I said to myself, I'll admit all my sins to the eternal. And you lifted and carried away the guilt of my sin. Ecclesia is your pastor. I need to be one to lead you in repenting of my own racism. The places in my heart that have been filled with evil or complacency. 
places that I have avoided injustice. And I look back after seeing the painful murder of George Floyd. And I realize I have apologies to make to my brothers and sisters of color because I ignored things that I saw like with Sandra Bland. If my daughter had been pulled over for failing to put on a turn signal and had been treated the way that she was treated, I, I would never tolerate it. And three days later, her body is dead in a jail cell, right? It, I should have paid more attention when Philando Castile was shot in his own car in front of his girlfriend and a child, his child. This is not how it should be. The fact that I kept moving and kept living is a reflection of my own sin. The evil that's within me, the complacency that's within me. And again, a selah, a pause, a breath. And after the pause, verse six says, so let all who are devoted to you speak honestly to you now while you were still listening. For when the floods come, surely the rushing water will not even reach them. You are my hiding place. You will keep me out of trouble and envelop me with songs that remind me I am free. Here's the gift, Ecclesia. Though we have failed in many ways, though I have failed my brothers and sisters of color, I get a chance to repent. This week, I'm gonna be actively seeking out some of the African-American pastors in our city that I should have been supporting and helping. I'm gonna seek their forgiveness. I'm gonna find ways to work with them and cooperate with them to seek justice in our city and beyond. And again, a pause. And the psalmist prays, I will teach you and tell you the way to go and how to get there. I will give you good counsel and I will watch over you, but don't be stubborn and stupid like horses and mules, right? That's exactly what many of us look like on social media. We're stubborn, ingrained in our philosophy. We're saying, I'm gonna hold to my position whether I'm right or wrong. I'm gonna ignore what's in front of me. Many even defaming people that have just recently been murdered. This is not okay, it's not okay. And so we will not be stubborn like mules. We want to be tender-hearted and open to God's spirit, his work and activity in the world. He said, who if not reigned by leather and metal, they'll run wild, ignoring their masters, tormented and empty, are wicked and destructive people. But the one who trusts in the eternal is wrapped tightly in his gracious love. And the psalm concludes with this beautiful invitation. Express your joy, be happy in him. You who are good and true, go ahead, shout and rejoice aloud. You whose hearts are honest and straightforward. Ecclesia, if my job is anything, it's to lead you in a way that's honest and straightforward. I was reminded as I left to prepare my sermon, this sermon, we were watching the funeral of George Floyd. I left to do some work on it. And apparently my son's friends who had stayed the night came downstairs and one of the sons and one of the friends made a comment that my daughter felt was inappropriate. Um, it was unkind, possibly even racist. And she reprimanded the boy. She said, this is not a, that's not an appropriate thing to say. She felt a little bad because this kid was a guest in our house. And she went to my youngest, to Christian, and apologized, said, I, I don't know if I was too forceful with him. I, I, I needed to say that to him. But, and my 14 year old, who at 14, if you can remember, all you want to do is impress your friends. He said, you don't have to apologize for anything. I kicked them out of our house. They're not allowed to be here. We don't speak that way of our brothers and sisters of color in this house. And I was reminded that my 14 year old has much more courage than I've often displayed. And I wanna invite you Ecclesia for the places that you have failed to join me in repentance 
and in that place to say, we believe that this summer can truly be a summer of radical transformation in our hearts, in our cities, in our lives, and in the world. So what can we do this summer? Let me give you two things. The same thing I tell you, your mom tells you, if you go out in the heat, right? Hydrate, right? Drink some water. This is what I want to tell you to do this summer. Saturate yourself in the water that God gives, the living water. John 4, right? The water that when you drink of it, you won't be thirsty again. This could be a summer of spiritual transformation. If you immerse yourself in the scriptures, you pray, you feast on God's grace and goodness. I believe this summer could be a summer of God's revival in our own hearts. That would truly be a gift. What else do we do in the summertime? Well, there's a lot of weddings, right? I love weddings, especially Ecclesia weddings. You guys have great food. I was at one, can you believe it? They had uchi at their wedding. Like that's as good as it gets, right? The best sushi in the world. We have so many opportunities to have, to really celebrate love. And again, uchi is one thing. Jesus did it first, right? Jesus shows up at a wedding and they run out of wine and he literally turns so much water into wine you could fill a swimming pool with it, right? That's a statement. And so whether you're at a wedding and it's going to be socially distanced, it's going to be weird, and how do you dance socially distanced? I can't figure that out. I don't know, but we're going to figure it out. This is what I want you to do this summer. Celebrate love. Celebrate people's love. Those that are getting married. Those that are celebrating life on patios and in backyards. And if we'll do those two things this summer, Ecclesia, feast on God's grace and goodness. Hydrate yourself with His living water. And we'll celebrate God's love with all people with diverse groups, host dinner parties, diverse dinner parties, invite friends and neighbors of color over and listen. Just listen, ask them, how, how is all this resonating for you? What experiences do you bring that I might not understand? Ask a couple of questions, shut up and listen. And if we do, Ecclesia, this summer will change the world. It'll change our hearts. And I'm proud to be your pastor. I'm sad for the places that I was apathetic, that I didn't have the faith to move and to act. But I'm praying that as a community, we're gonna find our ways. You can go to our website and find a lot of ways to respond. We're sharing one another's stories. Beautiful short pieces called Broad Daylight, where we get to share true stories of people in our community. And as we talk to one another, we're asking God to show up and do something really beautiful. Will you give me a moment to pray for you and with you? Lord God, I thank you for the truth of the Psalms. I thank you for the places that I have failed and that you offer forgiveness to me. I thank you that Psalm 32 reminds us that those who are forgiven of their wrongdoings are happy. And so I find great happiness in my relationship with God and with the people I get to pastor and love and walk with. And I pray today that you would bless all of us, that each of us would stop yelling at each other and, and entrenching ourselves in our own uh, views that we've been espousing for far too long and that we would stop and listen. And as we stop and listen, we would find that we're tender-hearted people that can change, not mules that are stubborn and headed in one direction. God, may it be so. We believe that your spirit is active and alive in us and active alive in this world. And that the transformation that needs to happen will not happen on the streets primarily. It will happen in the hearts of your people who bring your love to many in need who are hurting as we listen, as we act, as we love, and as we respond. We pray all of this together, and we pray it in your name. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. 
Ecclesia, the first Eucharist was shared around the Passover table. And so as many of us will be gathering during this season in more intimate circles, in our homes with family and loved ones, with small groups and neighbors, we will most certainly find ourselves around the table as well. And we'll want to continue in this rhythm of remembrance. And so we invite you to consider what that will look like in your home as we remember the story the night before he walked willingly into the hands of suffering and death for our sake, that Jesus gathered his disciples around that Passover table. And he explained to them that he was to become the once and for all time sacrifice for the people of God. And he took bread and he offered thanks and praise and he broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take this all of you and eat it. This is my body, which is broken and given up for you. And after the meal, he took a cup of wine and again, he blessed God and he gave the cup to his disciples. And he said, take this, all of you, and drink from it. This is my blood of a new and everlasting covenant poured out for you and for all for the forgiveness of your sin. Do this in remembrance of me. And so Ecclesia, whatever our feasting table may look like today, I invite you to pray this prayer along with me. Loving God, through your goodness, set your table before us. May we know your presence in our sharing so that we may know your touch and presence in all things. We celebrate the life that Jesus has shared among his community through the centuries and shares with us now, made one in Christ and one with each other. Let us keep the feast. Amen. Ecclesia, this is the body broken and given for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. May we taste and see.
Now's the time in our service where we'll pray a blessing over our kids. I will be praying for my students. God, I wanna pray that you see these kids exactly where they are today, that you know where they need to be and that you can give them the words and actions that they need to touch others so that they can see your love, your grace, your mercy through their words and actions. I wanna pray that they are reminded of how much you love them and how much you care for them and that they know no matter what that, the, that you are with them and walking alongside them. In your name we pray, amen. Our benediction today is drawn from a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for the Ephesians about 2,000 years ago. And it's my prayer over all of us as we close our time together. Father, out of your honorable and glorious riches, strengthen your people. Fill our souls with the power of your spirit so that through faith, the anointed one will reside in our hearts. May love be the rich soil where our lives take root. May it be the bedrock where our lives are founded so that together with all of your people, we will have the power to understand that the love of the anointed is infinitely long, wide, high, and deep, surpassing everything anyone previously experienced. God, may your fullness flood through our entire beings. And now to the God who can do so many awe-inspiring things, immeasurable things, things greater than we could ever ask or imagine, through the power at work in us, to him be all glory in the church, throughout the world, in our church, Ecclesia, and in Jesus the Anointed from this generation to the next, forever and ever. Amen. Ecclesia, abide in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.